Hey, everybody, this is Mike Rickheim. Welcome to the Getting to Know podcast. I'm excited to bring to you one Ramon Overdyke, straight from the Netherlands. We finally got outside of Alpharetta. Uh, I'm sure Ramon will, will point out to us that we finally got to people that are doing real work for us outside of the corporate headquarters. So with that, uh, Ramon, welcome to the Getting to Know podcast. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, you, you truly now get into the profitable side of the business over here. Well, we, we look forward to getting to know you a little bit. I certainly do as well. Now, my boss has referred to you very, very positively as a Dutch cowboy. What does that mean to you? I think what Julie is, uh, is referencing to, and I, I do believe that Julie has been my, my boss for a bit over a year, and I think what she's referring to is that Ramon is a cowboy that steps into the market and gets things done, uh, wants to get the business in, and uh, sometimes is ultra direct. And I think Julie likes that, and I am ultra direct because that's basically my style of being a person and also my style of doing business. You ultra ultra direct for uh, a Dutch person or ultra direct for a human being? <laughs> that's a good question, Mike. I think. I am, maybe I'm ultra direct for a Dutch person, but I think in general, we are very direct people. And I believe, Mike, that you have worked here as well or lived here for quite a while. So I remember when, when, when we first met, we had a little text or email exchange and you got a little concerned that perhaps I could read Dutch because yeah. uh, perhaps you were saying things that you shouldn't have been saying, but I can't in fact read any Dutch or speak no, no. it or anything like that. So you're Literally safe. You have Google Translate, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I, I wear that out. So where did it all begin? Where, where were you born? Uh, I was born in the north of uh, this country, of this beautiful country. Uh, I'm 40 years of age. Sorry, I'm 48 years of age. I just forgot about There's it. There's a bit of a difference there. Yeah. It's, a bit it's been, of a, been a tough there. decade. It's been a very tough decade. Um, born in the north, studied in the east, went a little bit to the south, uh, started my career at a textile company. And then three years ago in 2015, um, Nina took over Coldenhove and I became part of the family. Then personal situation, which I should have started with, of course, um, married, got two kids, two boys. One is nine, one is 12, uh, both still in, um, uh, of course, still in school, both playing soccer as daddy did, uh, which is their passion, which used to be my passion uh, up until the moment that someone basically uh, broke my knee. Then it's end of career. Um, been married this year for 12 and a half years, so that must be a big, uh, a big celebration at the end of the year. Yeah. And yeah, I've been working for Nina now. This is year five for me. That's great. So, you, so your passion went from soccer to digital transfer papers? Is that, is that, was that a direct thing? No, that was not a direct thing. There's a lot in between there. But when I was young, my, uh, my passion was, soc was soccer. I always had a passion for food and for wine and for those type of things. But that actually starts when you get a little bit, a little bit older. I would say I'm passionate about uh, meeting new people, uh, which is handy in the international job that I have, speaking languages. How many languages do you speak? I speak five languages. Wow. I speak and, one and, and not consistently. Uh, wow. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> no, the thing is, I mean, the Netherlands, it's 17 million people. And I think if we would like to be something in the world, uh, you need to speak languages in order to get your product across. The US yeah. by itself is such a big market, like Germany is in Europe, like the UK, like Spain, like France. And we, we are only 17 million, so it's too small. So we, we need to adapt and go outside. Yeah. And therefore, you speak languages. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. So go yeah. back to the, the food and wine. What's your ideal meal? My ideal meal? 
uh, it must be Italian. Then you got a, a big Italian type steak and you just basically bake it one minute on both sides. You put it on a bed of lettuce and you take a big fat red wine, which is got about 15, 16%. You cut it. You can actually cut it with a chainsaw. That's how big the wine is. You take two glasses and then you go straight to bed and just enjoy the night and wake up oh. fresh in the morning again. I look forward to hanging out at your house with you. Come on over. As soon as we can travel, come over and hang out at, at the Dutch Cowboy Ranch. Yeah. Well, that's what we miss at the traveling. So are you, do you cook this or do you go to a restaurant to get something oh. like this? I, I like home cooking. So one of my favorite things is actually barbecue. It's a green app and I'm, I'm cooking on that uh, over okay. the weekend. So we got friends over. But I like to do it myself. I'm going to need to have you over because I have a green egg that I burn everything that goes on it. I've got a friend that came over and showed me one time and, and still had no success afterwards. So my kids okay. won't even touch anything if I put it on the, on the egg because it tastes like smoke, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll need some help when you're, when you're in this area. So besides chasing your boys around, watching them play soccer and um, cooking and having a drink, what, what else do you do for fun? Well, uh, of course, uh, visiting sports, uh, but then still we are at, uh, on the soccer side. Uh, I like traveling. So actually what I'm currently doing for a job is actually what I, what I like to do best. And I always say that real export people actually travel alone. So what I, what I really like from time to time is go to the U.S., have a meeting with Julie and Byron uh, and team and just go there and then be by myself and uh, uh, think thoughts about the business and, and just be there for three or four days and I like hotels and just getting there at the airport, getting on a flight and uh, that whole international thing that, that suits me very, very nicely. So whenever I get the chance, also personally, what the family actually likes is skiing. So we try to do that twice a year, but it's getting a bit expensive. So one in December and then one in March, but that's what yeah. we do with the family. So, um, and you know about European holidays, which is contradictory to the US ones. Yeah, they're long. Yeah. So yeah, you guys haven't figured it out. We haven't quite figured it out yet. Yeah, it's quite normal for us to basically take three or four weeks in the in the summer and yeah. just like in one holiday, not like four times one week. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's what I like. So if you take out all the holidays, then the rest of the time I'm basically either barbecuing or working. All right. So tell me about working. Talk talk to us a little bit about your business and your role. I think when, when Nina took over uh, Coldenhove in, uh, in September 15, we were, uh, at that time, we were already top three when it came to dye sublimation. And Nina was just interested to add dye sublimation to their portfolio, as it is a very highly profitable business. And we were running that out of the forest. Small company, 140 people, and these 140 people actually made the success. And what is very nice about Coldenhove is that when I joined them, I went to Shanghai, first trip. And I met a bunch of Chinese people and I was really wondering if they've ever heard of Koldenhove. And they looked at me like, of course we know Koldenhove. They are the name when it comes to dye sublimation. I was like, wow. So that small company actually made name in this world. And it's, it's a product that was actually invented within Koldenhove. It was for the first time produced within Koldenhove. It took us four to five years to really get it uh, to, a, to a point that it was marketable and sellable. And when I joined, we were already successful. And I think the success just basically continues by the growth of the business. It's very international. I think when it comes to Nina, um, as a multinational, we are one of the most international parts of Nina. We export to more than 75 different countries. We do have a distribution structure there. We now also have um, uh, our own salespeople. There's one in Spain. There's one in Central America. There are 
five in the US in the US of A at the moment. So it's really becoming a a, a very international business, and we are basically everywhere. And my role there is to steer the marketing and sales team globally, and uh, and just keep on growing double digits every year. That's basically what I do. We we appreciate that. My kids need shoes, so I appreciate you growing double digits for sure. Yeah. So. Being fairly new to the organization still, all of this is, is very new to me, except for really Kingsley's business, which makes, makes a little more intuitive sense. So how would you describe dye sublimation to the average person who maybe is not very technical or aware of really what, what that is all about? Um, dye sublimation is actually uh, people printing on paper. So our customers print on paper which is 64 inch or larger, they print an image on paper and what our paper actually does, it transfers that image onto a textile. And for that, you need a calendar. So we make the paper, they have a printer, you need the calendar and based on the calendaring process, it transfers onto a textile, as we call it, onto a substrate. For sublimation, you need to have 65% polyester or more. Why? A polyester fiber by heat opens up the ink actually goes inside. When it cools off again, it closes. That is one of the reasons that your Under Armour running shirt, you can wash that at a high temperature and as much as you want, the color will never fade away. And that's a big difference when it comes to cotton. So if you take a look at that, dye sublimation is polyester and polyester-based or high-content polyester. When you look at natural fibers, you cannot sublimate. Uh, end markets, sportswear, I was just mentioning Under Armour, fashion, there's a lot of fashion, printed fashion, um, hard substrates, so you can, you can actually really, via paper, transfer an image on a mug, on an iPhone cover, on an iPad cover, on a shower curtain, on, uh, think of those type of things, home furnishing, then you get up to upholstery, um, uh, couches, blankets, uh, and those type of things. And I'm missing one, soft signage. So a lot of the customers that we have are basically making these big walls as backgrounds of their, of their stands for, uh, for trade shows. So gotcha. those are basically the end applications in the market that we, uh, that we service. That's very helpful. Thank you. The biggest opportunities for you in DTP from a growth standpoint, would you view that as geographical expansion or, or going deeper into one of those categories or like trade show uh, materials or mugs or iPhones? Like yeah. where, where's the big, biggest growth opportunity? I think it's double. So I think uh, personalization is a trend. Uh, people personalize more and more and more. So what yeah. you actually see is that more products actually get into those markets and that people yeah. are trying to find different ways to use dye sublimation for those markets. So I think we are going to get deeper into the dye sublimation market. And on Thursday, I have a meeting with Julian team, and then I would like to address two new markets where we think uh, we can be very successful. That's one. Two, it's also geographical. So what we see now is that, for example, South and Central America, or Latin America as a total, is growing big time. Latin America as being the, let's say, the production barn of North America and South America as a market by itself. So that actually grew from 2% to 12% of our total turnover. So it's and geographical, and I still believe that we are going to go deeper into the markets that we already surfaced. Like that attitude. So you mentioned you love getting out, you love traveling, you love meeting people and speaking your five languages and making things happen. I love that. What's the biggest downside to your current role? I've got two working days, uh, and they are both basically, I need to fit that into one working day. I understand. Yeah. You have too much to do. Well, I'm just basically looking for two salaries, but that won't work. So I need to see oh, how you're talking I to the right guy. 
Yeah, exactly. But that's why I'm saying it now. And then on Thursday with Julie again, and then see what happens. Well played. I'm an, I'm an early riser, Mike. So I, I, I wake up early, start working. And then let's say around one o'clock, I basically need to finalize my European working day. And then somewhere between one and two, I'm actually starting my American working day. And that then goes up until five or six. Gotcha. And then sometimes in the evening, you got that, uh, some things to do as well, because the time difference yeah, is big. So I need to, uh, I need to adapt there. Hopefully, I haven't been too, too far into that red wine at that point by the time the American working day starts. Depends. Sometimes it really helps. Yeah, I can understand. It makes you more creative. So, Ramon, in a movie about the life of Ramon Overdyke, yes. who would play Ramon Overdyke? Russell Crowe. I swear to you, as I, as I stare at you on the screen here, Thank I you. thought it's got to be Russell Crowe. Yeah. I see that. It, yeah, it's got to be Russell Crowe. And uh, first of all, maybe a little bit, but because since there's some hair on my face, people are actually referring to me as being Russell Crowe. And I'm like, serious? Um, I like him as an actor. And I particularly like that movie where he's got that French wine chateau and falls in love with a French lady and, and, and everything around that. So yeah, if there's a movie yeah. about my life, uh, let Russell Crowe be the star I, of that. I can see that. So who, who's playing your wife in that movie? Whew. What happens on the Getting to Know podcast stays on the Getting to Know podcast, Ramon. Um, who needs to play my wife? In the past, when I was a bit young, Sophie Morceau, which was a, it's a French lady, and she's like, she's beautiful. So she can actually play together with Russell on the wine chateau and then okay. basically play that out. Sophie like Morceau, that. yeah, she's the one. I like that. Who do you yeah. think's playing Byron Racky in that movie? <laughs> I think... I've known Byron now for a bit over three years. I think that Byron really needs to play himself. I, I think Byron could stretch into a career in, in, in acting. Yeah, I think so too. Multi-talented. He is. Yeah, for sure. So what's, what's your favorite soccer team? There's only one soccer team in the world. So that's Ajax in Amsterdam. Um, these are the red and white guys. And that's when I was young, and I really go back to, let's say, 40 years ago when I was eight, my, my, my grandmother actually said, young man, come sit over here, come sit next to me. And I was watching soccer with my grandmother. So my father, my grandfather, they are not involved. It's my grandmother that showed me the love of football. And, um, and I'm now basically passing that on to my boys. Gotcha. And you, so you think you were born in the north. That Amsterdam is up north, right? So no, Amsterdam is a bit more to the west, but since this country is so very, very small, Mike, I mean, for me, it's like 50 minutes drive, which for you okay. Americans is close by. For me, yeah. that's the other side of the country. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Where, where specifically is Coldenhove uh, located? Where, uh, like, geographically within, within the country? Coldenhove uh, is in Eerbeek, in the middle of the forest. We are in, in a natural area. It's beautiful. Actually, when you go there and, and, and come and visit us, Mike, on any, any of your first flights need to be there. All right. uh, it's in the middle of the forest. It's very quiet. It's a very nice working environment. We are relatively close to Arnhem, which is still a small city, very famous of World War II. And we are about half an hour half an hour away from the German border. So we are more to the east side of the Netherlands. And Eerbeek is a village where there used to be five paper mills and there are three left now. So it's a little bit, let's say, paper valley in the Netherlands. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. So what's the biggest challenge besides the, the time zone difference in working for an American company? Uh, 
Um, I think the program that Byron keeps on referring to is, for example, uh, Nina One eh, or Nina One One Nina. Yeah, I think right. I think working for Nina, I think it's very important that we do that we do become that one company because it's it's Alfred as a head office, and you've got all these mills in the U.S. and then you've got yeah. some of the mills in in Europe, and I think. Um, we need to make sure that we get that combination between all these mills and all these different people uh, more and more and more into one organization. And I think the current developments, looking more at a matrix organization, uh, really helps there. But the challenge from time to time is to make sure that I'm hooked on to the things that are happening in Alpharetta. Got it. Well, look, we did a uh, senior level talent review the other day. And, and for what it's worth, you got very uh, high marks for your hooking into Alpharetta and, and staying connected and so forth, which I you know, recognize is not always an easy thing to do with the, with the mothership. So you're doing something right on that front for sure. Yeah, it's like if you take a look at my role now, it's me and there's Christoph. Um, so there's a Dutch guy and there's a German guy. And I think it's important that everybody knows who these people are. And that's also this then really, really, really helps uh, is that we are building Nina uh, together, but that we are a real international slash multinational company. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Ramon, we've got three questions that we're going to ask everyone at the end of every single one of the Getting to Know podcasts. Yes. You ready for those? Because they're deep. I know. I've seen them. It's they're deep. It's, they're difficult. So, okay. on on this one, I am interested because you're you know you you spend a lot of time in the kitchen and preparing yes. food and drink. Yes. Um, okay. So, what's always in that refrigerator of yours? A Belgian triple beer. A Belgian triple beer. All I right. cannot live without a Belgian triple beer because I have the beers in the fridge and I have my Amarone Italian wine in my wine fridge. So we need to be specific on the question. So in the wine fridge, we've got the red one from Italy and in the fridge, we've got that triple beer from Belgium. Gotcha. I look forward to one of those too. So second question, what would you say you're most famous for amongst those that know you best? Oh, the people that know me best? Um, I think throwing parties. Throwing parties? Yeah, but it's, 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 uh, uh, in, in a very broad sense. I think my friends like to come here because I think I'm a good host. I think my wife is a very good hostess. Um, there's always a big-ass wine in the fridge. There's always something to eat. There's always something to laugh about. And there's always, there's always fun. So, yeah, I think my, my friends would say... A friend of mine actually said it when I got married. He said, whenever you pass Ramon's house and the light's still on, knock on his door, he will open up. And before you know it, you're in the middle of a conversation with a great wine. That's great. All right, Ramon, last question before we wrap this up and let you get on with your evening. What are you most looking forward to right now? Um, I'm going to take a walk in the forest. So after a whole day of sitting after behind this computer and just looking at the screen and talking to people and working, then at 5, 5.30, I'm just going to go for a walk for like two hours and just walk it off, maybe get some calls out, and then come back home and just start preparing dinner. And are you following the, trails or are you just blazing your own? Or uh, No, blazing my own. I mean, I'm, I'm here close to the biggest area in the Netherlands, so it's just like you go out and, and within five minutes, I'm in the middle of the forest. Cool. Yeah. Well, Ramon, thank you very much for your time. I enjoyed chatting with you. Look forward to, to working with you for sure. And um, it, was, it was very nice to, um, 
begin to understand your business a little bit more and understand more about you. So really, really enjoyed it. Look forward to spending some time with you in the future. Thanks, Mike. Uh, well, who knows? Huh? I mean, we're, we're slowly starting to traveling again within the European Union. And yeah. I mean, flying is probably off for another two months, but um, you never know. Yeah, some sense of normalcy will be great. Yeah, true, true, yeah. true. Thanks again, buddy.